Hi, I'm Jackie Jones and welcome to my podcast, Living Life Being Human, the number one podcast for anxiety, stress and mental health support. Don't forget to click subscribe to be notified of my latest podcast episodes. And if you get any value from this podcast, please support me by leaving a review. It really does help me out and it motivates me to keep making these podcasts. You can connect with me on social media at Jackie Jones Coaching and subscribe to my YouTube channel to get weekly videos all around anxiety, stress and mental health. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome everybody, whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening on the Living Life Being Human podcast, but I've got a very special guest this week. Um, Yeah, I know she's just gone, oh. So I want to introduce you to a really good friend and colleague of mine, Sari Taylor. We go back many, many years. So you can find Sari on sarritaylor.com. I'm just going to do a bit of a rundown. We've just run through this and it's surprising how many things this woman has got up to lately during the pandemic as well as everything else so you can find sari at sarritaylor.com um you spell sari s-a-r-i-e because it's a bit of an unusual name um sari is somebody that runs and lots and lots of things online you can find it online perfectly imperfect mind mentor which i think is an absolutely brilliant name she's a specialist anxiety coach Um, She also runs a five-day challenge called Our Challenge, which is an acronym for Overwhelm, Understand and Reduce. She has two books out. She's just produced some amazing insight cards. There's a pack of 52 cards in a, yeah, is that right? 52, yeah. 52. She's also appeared on Granada Reports. She's been on the Hot Mess Mums Club podcast. She's appeared in Manchester Evening News too many times to actually mention so this woman is not a one-hit wonder Uh, is there anything else that you want to add to that list that is ever growing nah nah that just about covers it all my house is a tip you want to know that um i've not put a wash on for probably over a week love it um what else i've lived in my pajamas pretty much for the last four months um yeah <laughs> I don't believe a word of that <clears throat> one of the things that I've always loved with Sarah is that she is truly authentic I think you are one of the most authentic people that I have ever met and I'm scared of getting caught out Jackie I can't I can't not tell the truth because I, I you know I trip myself up so it's it, what you see <laughs> sees what you get but I think that's why we got on so well isn't it because you're a bit like that too aren't you really it's like we don't well I, I beg to differ you gave me permission to be authentic the fact that you didn't get dressed until lunchtime and there were pots in the sink kind of gave me oh if Sarah can do it I can do it you gave me permission to be every time, every time you come to the house the first thing I'd say is oh sorry about the mess yeah yeah wash up if you've got five minutes in between your clients just wash up <laughs> So, what what's your journey? What's got you to now? There's, there's nothing that we can't talk about, whether that's a parenting journey or whether it's your journey with anxiety, being a coach, whatever. Introduce yourself. 
So really, if I think to how have I got to where I am now, which is, is you know, that's sounding big-headed, you know, I'm, I'm in a good place. I'm, I'm happy with my job. I like it. I haven't always felt fulfilled doing my job, if I'm honest. And I think for me, it was, it was having really severe anxiety myself for, for quite some time that, that led me here, really, because I think I've said many times that I spent a large proportion of my 20s and into my 30s um, trying to fix myself, to be honest, which yeah. is why, a bit like you, I've got every certificate under the sun. <laughs> collect them in a drawer in a drawer i don't even know if they're in a drawer to be honest i don't know where they are but um yeah so if anyone ever asked me for them i'm like oh no but um yeah so it was kind of an ongoing thing to fix myself and then as you know i came across the three principles by sydney banks and that's really where everything changed massively as in the perfectionist part of me started to reduce i accepted the ups and downs of being a human being and just stop putting so much pressure on myself really and, and the irony of that that always makes me laugh is i've never probably been as efficient created so much stuff and worked so less hours in a way yeah than i do now and that's not because i'm lazy it well, can be but it's just because when I'm effective, I'm effective. And when I'm not feeling it, I don't try and force myself. I just no. just listen to what my body and my mind is telling me, which is go and watch Netflix instead or go on a walk or, and I've just, and it sounds dead simple, but actually I just didn't do that for many, many years. No. Um, and now- And that's the hard part, isn't it? If your heart's not in it, if you're fighting, if you're resisting something all the time, it's exhausting, it's knackering. Oh God, it's, it, that in itself is a full-time job. And it's yeah. actually- really disheartening because what we're trying to achieve in a sense is the impossible it's like we can't sustain at a certain level all the time so what I used to do is I would go all guns blazing as you know and I would you know come up with all sorts of ideas and I'd start implementing stuff and then inevitably that wouldn't be sustainable and then I'd feel like I was crashing and burning because I was trying to push 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 and then what would happen is I'd get anxious and I'd retreat so and I think I think when we first met I, I think I might have even said to you when we started doing some work together I'm sure I've said to you just be mindful that I may actually get to a point at some point where you'll not hear from me and I'll retreat because I was still in that cycle um, I can remember in the early days it, it is like a Tasmanian devil sometimes <laughs> You, you would literally be sending email after email after email and phoning up and we could do this and we could do that. And I'm like, geez, this woman, her mind is just constantly on the go mm. and, and no holds barred, literally. You yeah. always used to surprise me because you thought outside the box. Mm. This is what everybody else is doing. So we need to do something. This is what we're going to yeah. do. We're going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. But again, that is exhausting if you expect yourself to sustain that and so it's it, I suppose what I've kind of found now is that I will still have mad ideas and put you know try and put them together really quickly and I am a bit of a whirlwind and I do set myself quite unrealistic targets at time times but I'd give myself permission to change the goalposts along the way now yeah um, if it feels too much if it's like you know actually this doesn't have to be done in a week yeah you know, and, and actually I am still effective and good at what I do when I slow myself down a bit. And it's just that realization. And I think for me, then 
has a knock-on effect in terms of your relationship, your parenting, everything. Because I, I mirrored that sort of level of up and downness, I suppose, in all aspects of my life. Like I was either madly in love with my husband or wanted to punch him in the face regularly. That sounds or, quite normal. What's wrong with that? <laughs> or um, you know, you know, even with the parenting, I'd be like really full on and probably quite controlling. And then I'd be like, oh, it's all right. Whereas now it's it's more for me. I think if I had to pick one word that sort of summed up now, it'd be just much more consistency. Yeah. Yeah, and I think consistency is the key with lots of things, isn't it? It's one of the things that we we talk a lot about. The other thing, just when you were talking then, that came to me was about being creative. I talk a lot with clients about being creative, and I'm not talking cutting and sticking and gluing and all that sort of stuff, but, yeah, being creative in how we manage life. So it's like sometimes we just keep doing the same stuff but harder, and... Yeah faster and all this sort of stuff whereas if we could just look at being a bit more creative and understanding that that's part of who we are that we can look at a different way of being yeah and that that is part of creativity it's part yeah. of exploration it's exciting it creates opportunities rather than in the past what i would have probably seen it as you know i would say i've got to keep going down this route even if i'm not feeling it because if i turn around i've somehow failed because i set myself up to achieve this or to finish it and actually if I'm not going to then I've failed and actually now to me that's more much more of a gift that my mind's gone oh go in this direction it's like oh okay let's see and it's not the what's different is the pressure that I would put on myself to finish something that I really actually wasn't feeling anymore yeah and it, somehow for me as well it's about kind of being like a hypocrite if I I love transactional analysis. That's what we're both trained in. And I still do use that because I'm a logical person. And I think sometimes people like a bit of logic thrown in there. So as well as the three principles, I use that. But there's something about wanting to change or introduce a new idea is kind of like, but that's new and it's hypocritical. If I've been saying for 10 years, this is what, you know, this is what I use. This is transactional analysis. It's brilliant. And then suddenly I introduce something else to it. I had this fear that people are going to go, whoa, hang on a minute. That's not what you were saying to me six months ago. And they might, actually. They might. Some people have. And it's about that, yeah, you, you're right. But but what a stagnant place we would stay in if 100%. we didn't keep being open-minded. And if I wasn't open-minded, I wouldn't be sat here now. I'd still probably be feeling really highly anxious going round in the same cycle. So, yeah. so I think, actually, being open-minded is is crucial. And I think... You know, you're right, but that's, in a way, the other thing I love about the three principles is what part of what I've realised is we can only share with people or teach people or support people in a way that we know at the time based on the thinking that we have. Yeah. And if that changes, then the way we do things is going to change. And again, you know, similar to you, I had somebody right at the beginning um, of me exploring the three principles who had been a client of mine previously for probably about 18 months. In fact, there was two that come to mind. It was kind of like, listen, I've come across this. It's been life changing for me. I've really got to follow my gut instinct and my, you know, I've got to go with it. And this is the path I'm now going down. You know, I will not be offended if you want to go continue all your journey with someone else in the way that we've been doing or come along for the ride and, and see what happens and yeah. they both did 
but one of them in, in the first few weeks got really mad with me <laughs> and sent me an email saying well this goes against some of what we've already discussed so what a waste of time all of that was yeah and my initial reaction was oh shit like shit she's got a point really yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's again because I was really early in my days and so I would have judged myself for that and thought oh gosh you know yeah you know maybe I should just not share this with people that I've already worked with and keep it for new people and then again it was like take a step back no you haven't intentionally um misled really, anybody no yeah. it's not even really misinforming people it's just another way of looking at things yeah. and all I could do in that situation was just go back to him and say yeah I get where you're coming from but let's just stick with it and actually she ended up loving it in the end yeah. loving it and then the other person who um started that journey with me again is still along for the ride now in fact they're both in my members club and just going from strength to strength with with the understanding that's something i i do say that a lot that for me the three principles overarches everything that i do now yeah so it's not like it's one thing or another it's it it just is part of of everything but it also depends what mood i'm in what i yeah. use yeah it's a description well the three principles is a you know it's not a strategy is it? it's a description it's a description of what it means to be human being yeah. so if, even if someone has never come across the idea of the three principles they still are it because yeah. they're still yeah still living as a human being and i think again it's that we get so caught up on you know i, I laugh about this sometimes like you know you know you said at the beginning i've been asked to do stuff in the media and in the press and they always want me to give them strategies yeah. Top ten tips. Yeah, what five things can someone do when they're anxious? It's like, oh, we know this stuff. We know what to do. Oh, flicking a card at myself. We know what to do. We know we know all this. We've heard it a million times before. Yeah. It, and it's about getting people to understand and taking a step back from that and realizing actually you are resilient, even when you're caught up in it all, even when you're really overwhelmed. And it's about pointing people back towards that rather than you must do x y and z to feel better because believe you me i did that myself yeah for more than 10 years and it got me not very far shall we say no no and it's tiring and it costs a fortune oh, you know that, that's the you know i think you were talking about training earlier on i think you know we've both done a lot of training in certain areas and it costs a lot of money sometimes yeah, we've spent thousands and then if you think about training as a transactional analysis psychotherapist and having to be in therapy at the same time it somebody wants thousands and thousands. it costs about thirty thousand pounds to become our, up to our level it's even more if you go on to do other stuff within it thirty thousand pounds wow i can't believe i would have spent that much money on anything <laughs> we should do you know what we should have just sacked that off bought ourselves a house together and just sat in it and festered we might have had these anyway <laughs> Yeah, we'd have got to where we are now eventually anyway. <laughs> and that's the other thing that I realised is, is for me, it's a, having insights along the way, insights being, you know, a diff, looking at things from a different perspective. And so I would think, you know, even looking back as a psychotherapist thinking, I'd have clients who made progress, better progress in terms of their anxiety working with me than I did for myself. Yeah. And I used to think, hey, like, what is it about me that is, is staying so stuck? And, and now it's not because I taught them TA. It's not because 
of any of that. It's because whether it be our relationship, whether it be the TA, whatever it is, they've had insights in those sessions that have shifted their perspective. We don't even need to know the details of how or why, and that has helped them then move forward in their lives. And that, that still blows my mind. You were talking about the three principles, and I don't want to presume that people know what they are, but for me the one thing that I always go back to over and over and over and over again is that our thoughts create our feelings a hundred percent of the time Mm -hmm. and I got that on a surface level Mm -hmm. but then at certain times it's like whoa that has just blown my mind Mm -hmm. I know that at certain times my thoughts just take over and I have a reaction to it yeah yeah you know particularly and I, I've spoke about this quite a lot but particularly my ex-husband the minute even just saying that now my thoughts are going to a certain place and I have a physical reaction yeah of course you will because we do have a physical reaction yeah it's not just a feeling it. as in I feel angry it's yeah. it, I feel it in my bones uh-huh. yeah <laughs> because again it's from inside me it's not him no, because he's not even in the room. No, he doesn't make me feel anything. It's my thoughts about that that cause yes. it. And that yeah. was mind-blowing. Yeah, it is. And, and it's something that we will resist often because, when, particularly when we're in a lower state of mind, because it's like, yeah, but every single time this person crops up. Every it's single all the time. time. <laughs> it's, got to, it's got to be them. And it's, yeah. it's not every time you think about them. It's every time you bring them to life in your present moment through your thinking and you don't need to do that you know and this is the bit I think where people struggle quite a lot and they'll say so how do you just stop the thinking I've tried it's like we can't stop the thinking we can't control our thoughts they come and they go and but what we can do is decide or choose how we respond to them so for example you saying that you might have a thought about someone and then it creates this physical feeling attached to that that it feels really uncomfortable. Now that discomfort isn't going to stay for long if you just leave that be. Whereas if you then go down a road of I'm sick of this, it's his fault, it's da, 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 then it's gonna stay much more significant for much, much longer. And knowing all of this, sometimes I still get stuck in that funk. Of course you will, because you're human. It's like, oh, God, you've, Jackie, you've done it again. What are you doing? Yeah. Just just like, let it go. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the last thing you want to be doing is beating yourself up for having fallen into that trap, because that, again, is even more anxious thinking and keeps us stuck yeah. for longer. You know, and, an easy concept. It but, is so simple, but we massively overcomplicate it, because we go into, oh, this is a problem, therefore I've got to solve it. Um, what do I need to do to solve it? Right, I must distract myself, I must do this, I must do that. I must. And, and again, it's that, you know, always that daft little example of, you know, you say to someone, don't picture a red bus, do not picture a red bus. The first thing that's going to come up in your mind is a red bus. Yeah. Just because you've told yourself not to doesn't mean that's going to happen. So again, it's about knowing that, I think this was one of the biggest shifts for me in my anxiety was when I accepted that I could end up severely anxious again and in hospital. Nobody could give me that guarantee that that would never happen. And I spent a long time searching for some level of reassurance where someone could say to me, look, Sari, you do this and you will never end up back in hospital. Yeah. That's what I wanted. And that's what I was searching for. And so every time I got slightly anxious after trying a new thing, I'd be like, 
damn, that's not words. That's not giving me that cast iron guarantee. But accepting that I wasn't ever going to get that. And in actual fact, didn't need it because I did survive the last time and I would survive again. Yeah. But the irony of that is the, the less invested I am in trying to ensure I don't, actually the less likely I am to ever end up in that position again anyway. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. It, I, I talk a lot about people not being broken. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes people think that they need fixing. They come to therapy, usually at crisis point, yeah. when they've tried everything themselves and they're broken and they want somebody to fix them. Yeah. We're both qualified in hypnotherapy and I don't know how you are around that now, but for me, I don't use it because I felt that people came to me and it was my responsibility to fix them. It was my responsibility to make them better. And I can't do that. You know, they have to take on some responsibility for the impact and be invested in it. Yeah. Well, I think I can, you know, as you know, we both did some training together and and, uh, hypnotherapy was another thing that I did in in a view to really primarily fix myself. Yeah. Uh, It was something that I hadn't tried. One of many, you know, one of few things actually that I hadn't tried. And so for me, it was like, it felt a little bit like one of my last um, ditched attempts at ridding myself of anxiety. And so many people had, had used this person and had such amazing results. And, you know, I, I don't think they were lying to me. Like, people were not lying. People have had amazing results. And there will be some phenomenal hypnotherapists out there who were so good at their craft. But ultimately, for me, it comes down to inside out again because I went into that hypnotherapy session for me already believing that I would be the one person who it didn't bloody work for again because that was just my story and I was destined that nothing was going to work and so actually to be fair he didn't stand a chance of hypnotizing me because it wasn't conscious but I'd gone in with a real low level of um, anxiety of a huge expectation that this needs to work for me. Yeah. And so as soon as he started doing it, the room was spinning so excessively for me that I had to open my eyes and stop. And I just said, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. And then I remember going home, um, spending a long time in the car on the way home, feeling so disheartened, so flat. And that was, again, the beginning of a period of a good few weeks of intense anxiety for me because I had set so much expectation on it. Yeah. And then felt like a huge failure that was more broken than other people because it worked for them. So why doesn't it work for me? And, and actually now when I look back, I just don't feel sorry for myself. I just feel compassion for that version of me that was just like, God, you wanted it so bad. And yet you didn't see all along that you were okay anyway. And I think that's a really good point when you're saying it's not about judging ourselves. We're doing the best that we can with what we've got available at the moment. You, me, yeah. everybody. It doesn't yeah. matter how many qualifications you've got, how, how many insights and everything that you get. We all do the best that we can in that moment. And compassion for me is, is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, I look back at my parenting journey and I'm sure my elders too will confirm this. <laughs> you know, I got it wrong a lot of the time particularly Michelle would probably say it because she was the one that was on the receiving end of my eldest son's yeah antics a lot of the time 
but I can't go through life beating myself up over decisions that I made 20, 30 years ago. At that time, I did the best that I could. Yeah, they were the knowledge and experience that I had. Yeah, they were the decisions based on your thinking at that time. Yeah. That is all you had, and and it's good enough. It, yeah. You know, as long as for me, the way I the way I check in with myself is, even if I make decisions or do things that on reflection I maybe wish I hadn't, um, or you know wish I'd took more time over, or whatever it is, I always allow myself that little bit of compassion of, do you know what? At the time. I was doing my best. It was coming from a place of the best of intention. And if we're doing that, then that's all we can do. Yeah. I just ask, just think that's what I always say, you know, if I'm seeing couples or anything, it's like when, when the shit really, it's the fan and things are really bad. That's the time to throw love and compassion in the mix. That's the time where we just need to stop blaming them blaming us blaming everything and just throw a bit of the good stuff in and what you got to lose well nothing and this is the thing and people particularly in relationships we've got this sort of idea haven't we that it's either working or it isn't and we see you they win or i win if i give in that means i've lost the battle they won and i lost and it's it's yeah And, and it's interesting because i think my my relationship is much richer for the fact that i i am still sometimes stubborn don't get me wrong depending on my state of mind but i'm not as stubborn and i will not hold on to things for as long yeah but does that mean that i suddenly let my husband walk all over me no of course it doesn't and sometimes we get to a point where we go oh i'm not having that boundary pushed anymore and i'm off like yeah. that's okay but it is actually much nicer and easier to to just be more realistic with yourself around actually is this argument a reflection that our relationship is absolutely doomed or is this just me holding on for the sake of wanting to be seen to, to win and not to yeah. be backing down and because really what what's that why do i need to do that yeah yeah why why do i need to make a stand on something that the reality is it's not that important anyway no and in a week's time you won't even remember what it is exactly yeah yeah and uh, you know again it's about picking your battles whether that's in parenting you we've we've both got a teenager at home at the moment we're in the middle of this pandemic i don't know why it's faring for you but it's been pretty traumatic at times for me (laughs) it's it's been a battle homeschooling has not been the best experience and i get drawn into he's got to do this he must do it you know i'm a crap parent if i don't make him do x y and z and then there's this other part of me that thinks his mental health is far more important you know the teenagers well any kids now are going through something that we've never experienced my two and a half year old grandson actually looks fearful when he's walking down the street and sees somebody somebody coming towards him you know he kind of stops and presses himself up against the wall because that's what he's been doing for the last nine months of his little life very very strange and and that is a a big predominant part of his life and i think you know when you said about you know you feel like as a parent you should be forcing your cheat i mean it's impossible to force the teenager to do work i can't make him do anything (laughs) he could sit sit at a desk looking at things it doesn't you can't make it go in his head you can't make what's coming out of the pencil uh, valid and good and so again yeah it's more about just instilling in them that 
you know, at the end of the day, they want you, we're just wanting to encourage them to make good choices, but we can't force them. We can't make them choices for them. No. Um, and I think like us, their moods will fluctuate. They will um, be feeling this. And so therefore they might be more likely to have more episodes of feeling like they really can't be bothered. And in those times, I would say, certainly for me, there are the times where I'm like, when's the last time you FaceTimed your mates? Like, when's the last time? Because I'm like, I want her to enjoy herself. Because yeah. I know the more enjoyment she's having, the more motivated she's then going to feel when she's got to sit down and write an essay. Yeah. But if she's fed up already, like, who in their right mind really looks forward? I and mean, this is probably my own stuff. <laughs> who looks forward to writing an essay? Like, no. we don't want to, do we? No, we so, don't. So our state of mind will definitely have an impact on that. And I think as parents, the only thing we can do is encourage, encourage them to seek out more positive connections and interactions so that when they do have to sit down and do it, they're more likely to just get it done. And I think that is a really important thing. It, you know, Kai, I talk about him, he's 16 he had his 16th birthday last week when we were in the middle of the second lockdown. He was isolated from school. It was just me, him and his older brother. And it was pretty pants. And we are, you know, as human beings, we're tribal creatures. We need connection with people. And at the moment, I think a lot of us are really struggling with not having that connection. Yeah. I've noticed when I go on dog walks, I'm having conversations. 15 minutes with with old ladies <laughs> random people anybody yeah I'm, like, I'm enjoying talking to you right now and yeah. and this is nice and it's like it and i don't think until until you don't have it i don't think you see the importance of it even just going into your local shop i mean i'm quite a chatty person but i think even going into your local shop you know for me now i'm much more likely to actually say how are you doing it's been all right everyone's safe you know just have some interaction with complete strangers because we still benefit from that. We still get something out of that, you know, and when we're really busy and rushing around in our lives and we don't do that so much. So I think for me, actually, one of the positives we can take out of it is we don't have to be surrounded by X number of friends and X number of family. And we can actually really get connection from complete strangers if we seek it out. Yeah. Yeah, and I know you run a membership club. I run a membership club as well. And for me, that's the one thing that I try to instill in people is that, you know, we're better together. Sometimes we try and be strong and, and not show vulnerability and we need to be resilient and we need to do this on our own and all this sort of stuff. Where the reality is, as human beings, we need connection. We are part of a tribe. We need that. And share it and sharing yourself as well. I think it was yesterday I did my um, one of my membership calls yesterday, and I think I think it was last night's one. And I actually shared on there that a couple of days ago I'd had a good cry. I felt like shit. And yeah. and again, it's like I think sometimes it's just helpful to go. You know, people people might just see me on social media and go, "Oh, my relationship with anxiety has completely changed," and almost envy that and think, "Gosh, I wish my life was like that." But in a way, it's important to go, yeah, in general, it's great. But I still have times where I feel rotten and terrible and flat and I can cry at the slightest little thing. Like, so what? Yeah. And having that vulnerability and being authentic like that, you know, like I said, I said at the beginning of this conversation, you gave me permission 
to not stress so much about things. And when we see somebody that we look up to, which a lot of people do look up to you, do you know what I mean? It's kind of, you know, I don't look like that. I look up to you. You're taller than me. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> but it's, it's about knowing that actually, yeah, you're not on top all the time. We all have, you know, it's like a sliding, you know, escalator type thing. We're, we're constantly moving up and down with our state of mind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's about knowing that, when to pick your battles with yourself. Like if I'm on a, in a lower state of mind, I'm just going to do the bare minimum and be okay with that. I'm going to treat myself with kindness and I'm going to give myself things that I need and know that it's going to lift. I'm not going to try and fight my way out of it. I'm not going to try and get rid of it. I'm not because you know, that is a battle you're not going to lose. You're not going to win. Sorry. You know, it's just the time, those times are the times where you go, right, I need some TLC from myself right now. And yeah. that's all I'm expecting of myself. So I've become quite selfish in those times, actually. Do yeah. absolutely bare minimum. But it lifts a lot quicker then. Yeah. And again, people say that when, you know, when I say you need to prioritise yourself and, oh, it's selfish. It's actually very selfless when we prioritise ourselves because we can give so much more when we're in a good place so if we need to just I, I need time out I just need time out for me to get my head where it needs to be and to just have a bit of self-love then that's absolutely fine yeah because otherwise you end up doing what I did which was giving giving my all to absolutely everything and then getting to a point where I literally couldn't give anyone anything yeah and I would hide away in a room and I would I just wouldn't even want to be near anybody. So, you know, why take it to that extreme? And actually, you know, it doesn't get to that extreme now because I will check in with myself much more frequently and I will self permission to treat a little bit. Yeah. So we'll, we'll round it up here. I've really enjoyed this. It's been nice to catch up. Um, people can get in touch with you. The best thing is sarahtaylor.com that's yeah. that they can find everything Your website. or if you, if you put forward slash welcome sarahtaylor.com forward slash welcome there's links in there of my challenges my everything in there so do forward slash welcome yeah you, you've got two books that people can get one mm -hmm. is have i got it here I've, all, I've usually got it because i talk about it all the time one is this one which is anxiety is a f star hashtag exclamation mark at question mark we or other than that anxiety is a fucker you've also got was it the my manual, my healthy minds manual for families which i don't have any more copies of that they sold out but you can still get that on amazon um and then and the I've insight got, cards that you've yeah. just got do you want to show them, them. them i love them so, <laughs> so this is the box so they're insight cards um and I've just been encouraging people to, when, for when they get them, just to pick a card a day or when you're feeling in a bit of a, a bit flat or something, um, just pick one out, really. Have them as discussion points. Like, to be honest, if I was working as a psychotherapist still, I'd use these with clients as discussion points. Um, right, so shuffle them and I'll tell you when to stop and then read one out for me. All right, go on then. Are you shuffling? Yeah. Stop. Oh, okay. Ooh. So, I feel like 
I feel like a tarot card reader. I was saying this yesterday when I was pulling one out. It's like, ooh, it's quite exciting. Good. So the one that you have is limiting beliefs. There's a surprise. <laughs> I thought that when I saw it. Limiting beliefs, not truths. Change them when you like. They are yours to do as you wish. So on the back, it says, limiting beliefs may hold us back. They may feel so real and so important that we struggle to see past them at times. They are not truths. They may be a huge part of our history. They may be a part of our manual for life, but they are beliefs that you can let go of in an instant if you choose to. We need to see them for what they are. They start as a thought, a combination of thoughts, themes are created, stories told, and through familiarity, it may even become a very powerful part of your internal dialogue. We generalize our beliefs and can find ourselves believing we are a certain way due to these beliefs and can make choices and decisions based on them. Challenge your beliefs. Be open-minded to the fact that they are not permanent. Allow yourself to change your mind if your current way of thinking no longer serves you. <gasps> they are jacking you up all the <laughs> I, that, I love that. That was a really good one for me. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it funny? Oh, dear. It is. So, yeah. just, just, you know, exploring a little bit more about that, it, it, our, our thoughts create our feelings that then become part of who we are. We make up stories. Yeah, it becomes so habitual and then we really start to believe it. And it's like, well, yeah, I can't do this because I always do this or I can't do that because what I am. And it's like, no, 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 this is, this is a thought construct that you have created time yeah. of which has become extremely believable, but it still isn't who you are. No, no. And, you know, using the three principles again, and just to finish, finish up on, it's like we are all born okay. Yeah. We don't need to learn it we don't no. need to go on a course or buy it or do any it's in us no. we just sometimes forget yeah that we, we have the ability to connect with it yeah we're looking in it's like we've got tunnel vision and we're just completely drowning and obsessed with with the thoughts that we have at the time and yeah. we, we just don't see it and and it is always there um yeah and that's we're, all, we're all right of course we are yeah i'll be in an hour you are I'll be crying in an hour. <laughs> That's part of it. It's up and down. It's, it's a bloody moving target, literally. And one of the other things is that, you know, you can have a, a crap five minutes. It doesn't mean you're going to have a crap morning or a, not. or a crap week. You're just having crap five minutes. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing, more, nothing less. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you so much for doing Thanks this. Thanks having me and we'll do it again soon. Hopefully. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Me too. Me too. Speak to soon. Bye.